Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hey everyone, and welcome to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights podcast, produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Dina Sargent. Now, let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Parenting Podcast. Um, Here today, I'm talking about parental self-care. Now, it's something that we don't do enough of. It's something a lot of parents struggle with. And it's something that is definitely much needed, especially when it comes to straight after COVID or straight after balancing, picking up the kids and everything like that. So today I'm here with my guest, Shelly Kemmerer. How are you going today, Shelly? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing really good. I'm in a in a bit of a rush this afternoon, but so far it's going pretty well. Yeah, I love that. So I completely understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you mind talking a bit, a bit about your profession and just a little bit of how you've gotten into it as well? Sure. So my name is Shelly. I am a parent. I'm a board certified physician assistant, and I am the founder of Run Tell Mom. So uh, Run Tell Mom LLC assists parents and caregivers with living children to help navigate their transition throughout parenthood. And we parent through um, filling this space beyond clinical care to provide personalized evidence-based resources, either by coaching one-on-one, workshops, courses, and that's all to optimize the parental experience. So we focus specifically on the parent Um, not necessarily on the child, but we find that if we focus on the parent, that also helps the child as well. So, um, you know, my main focus is sustainable uh, burnout prevention and recovery um, for both parents and caregivers. And um, I received my postgraduate certification from the Training Institute of Parental Burnout. And I also collaborate with other parental mental health advocates on social media platforms in order to increase awareness in both um, personal and professional atmospheres of burnout. Wow, that's that's a very big task to be able to manage at the moment. Like it's definitely something that we were just talking about, I think, and how it's needed straight after coming out of COVID and how much, um, how well-timed everything everything seemed to be when you um, started it. Yeah, I mean, you know, this, Burnout in general is not a new topic. I think that um, the pandemic has pulled back the curtain on burnout, and now we are seeing a lot of parents, and I focus on parents specifically, although I do work a little bit in occupational burnout, but um, mainly parents. Parents have been struggling for the past two plus years, and now we're getting to a point where we're saying enough is enough. We need additional resources. What is the, What can society do for us? What can everyone else do in order to chip in and help support us? Because we have been pulling a fair share of weight um, for the past two plus years. And so that's that's what I focus on. For sure. That's definitely something that um, 
a lot of parents definitely need need and especially um just balancing everyday life and balancing taking care of themselves I feel like you can easily lose track of what you need because you put I mean obviously a lot of parents put their kids first and that's definitely the main priority but you lose focus as to what you need in this world and it's definitely something that um that I'm really glad that we are able to talk about today yeah absolutely I think a lot of people um you know whether or not it's the past two years or longer um, we have been working at a rate to not only you know work and support our household but then we're expected to come home and have high performing children and um, you know they're supposed to be you know respectful and kind and always on point and it's it's a lot of pressure to put on parents right because we're basically saying to people it's hard to make a mistake and part of what I do is I kind of, you know, dispel those myths and say parents are always going to make mistakes. That is natural. Um, that's how we learn. That's also how children learn. And it's more about how we rebound in these difficult times and what we do thereafter that, you know, that that is what makes a difference. And so um, what I focus on or what I'm trying to focus on more with parents is what else can we do so we can work through this? So it's not just about perfectionism because that's a unicorn, right? Like that's something that we're not going to be able to reach. We're not, we will never be perfect. There is 0% of parents that will be perfect, but what, what can we do to take better care of ourselves so that we can have an optimal environment, not only for ourselves, our children as well, but it's, it's also about our own lives and that whole self-sacrifice thing that becomes this, you know, this loop of I'm trying to do my best and what if my best isn't good enough? And, you know, what happens if my kids see me make a mistake? We will learn and we'll grow and we will adapt. And that is what we do on a regular basis. And so hopefully, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to normalize those things. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah. With that, Talking a bit more about you and sort of dealing with your own self-care, we're going to do a little bit of an icebreaker quickly. Sure. Just five different things of different topics and the first thing that you can think of. Sure. So the first off is your favorite book. Okay. Um, I have a few. So um, I would say professionally, one of my favorite books is The Body Keeps Score. And that's by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. I would also say one of my other favorite books, and it's um, illustrated beautifully, is called Becoming Better Grownups by Brad Montague. Both of them, I feel like, are staples within my home. I look at both and I reference both on a regular basis. Um, Dr. van der Kolk's book, I look at more for nervous system, understanding um, life trauma and how it shapes our kind of body and brain response to current life events. And then, you know, with Brad Montague's book, and he's a fabulous illustrator, um, it is simply that becoming better grownups and it's through the lens of children. And so they're both two totally different books, um, both very relevant in the work that I do. And I would say that they kind of complement each other in a way that's, um, understanding the things that you've gone through and then also understanding how children view us and our role. So those, that, those two are good. Yeah, 
That's a really interesting to see both dynamics and how you can sort of mesh them together in a way. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think one is, you know, one is the um, Bessel van der Kolk book. That one, I would say, is not a book that I would like to sit down and read beginning to end. Like you can pick it up and look at a chapter and think, oh, you know, this concept is is profound or it's like really interesting as far as um, trauma manifestations and what occurs in adulthood and the relationships that we cultivate with one another. But it's, um, I guess with, with Brad's book, you can read it, you know, cover to cover. And it's refreshing because children see things in such a way that is, um, it's, it's honestly judgmental, <laughs> you know, like they, they will give you an honest response, but when you dig deeper into it, it's like, they're not trying to be hateful, hurtful people. They're just letting you know how they view you as okay. an adult human. And it kind of makes you pause a little bit and think to yourself, like, is there something else that I should be doing? Should I get off my phone a little bit more? I mean, I, I, I catch it with my four-year-old, you know, when I, when I think about this book, I think, yeah, maybe, you know, there are certain points where I shouldn't be working from my phone. And he sees me and he asks me, look at me, watch me do this. And that's his cue to say, like, get off your phone, just be here. And that makes me pay attention a bit more. And so I don't know, it, I guess it's just both of them make me a bit more present. Yeah, I think for sure. I feel like, and I've had this conversation with a couple of other guests as well. It's definitely, kids have a way of just it's like the raw point of view without anything, without society's influence, without the world's influence. It's just purely, it's how we see it, but we've had experience with dealing with how the society would view a certain comment. So we don't do it, but kids mm -hmm. don't have that point of view and they don't yeah. have that filter on them that we have learned to hold. Yeah. And even at, you know, my, my youngest, he's four, there's certain things that he picks up at school. And I recall at one point he's like, mommy, why don't you wear more dresses? And I said, it's like, I belong in a three piece suit. Like that would just, it just like came out of my mouth. I'm thinking it's funny because I do wear dresses sometimes, but he'll, you know, he, he'll see these images in a book and he'll think like, this is the way my, you know, this is how moms should be dressing or something like that. Um, but I'm trying to just bust down these, these ideas and say, you know, we can take different shapes in life and we create that. And I think a lot of what we've learned, especially in parenting now, there's a lot of focus on, you know, child development and, and um, you know, being the best, best parent that we can be. We also need to learn to get there by as I said, making mistakes or, or deciding what path we're going to take. And sometimes it's a bit clunky. And I think, you know, in some ways, social media paints this picture that it should be a, a different way and everything is perfectly curated and it's filtered and it's edited. But in real life, it doesn't look that, that way. Just as I said, like, this is my background. I have a ring light on. But on this other side is, you know, a house that's being renovated and gutted and there's boxes everywhere. And it's kind of a mess and it is what it is, but there's a reality behind everything that you see. Exactly. That's a really good, I feel like that can be a, such a good inspirational quote as well. <laughs> I love one. I love yeah. that. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's the truth. So I, you know, 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. So how about your favorite movie? Um, hmm. Favorite movie. Um, God. Okay, so this is funny. Um, I really liked, as a kid, Little Monsters with Fred Savage. He had a monster under his bed that would only come out at late at night. And it was like an 80s movie. And I just liked it because the the child, Fred Savage, he'd go underneath the bed with this monster, Maurice, and he would escape into this magical world. It, I guess magical wasn't really the, the best descriptor, but it was a world where he could just be who he was. And sometimes that was like, you know, breaking plates and they're like playing sports and running around and eating junk food. And he thought this was like the most exciting thing, but he had to get back to his bedroom before the morning, before his parents were up and, you know, getting breakfast and getting ready for school. I just remember thinking that as a kid, wow, wouldn't it be so cool to just do whatever you wanted, you know, in the middle of the night and party and have fun. And then in the morning, you just get back to reality. And so that was a really cool movie for me as a kid. But now, I mean, honestly, I fall asleep during movies. I'm just tired. You know, <laughs> we have kids running around. They're all busy. Um, whatever they're watching. The last one was like Encanto, um, which is a great movie. And then um, Minions, my son loves. Boss Baby, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, I can definitely I can definitely relate to your son being Minions and Encanto. That's definitely something that I still watch to sort of to bring in um a little bit of disney into my life because i feel like yeah it definitely needs that magical kind of sense like with the movie that you're talking about it's definitely something that um i feel like we lose touch with and to be able to have that freedom as a kid definitely something that would appeal to me for sure yeah yeah there's definitely that sense of you know i guess escaping certain point, certain aspects of reality and you go into this different world that you get to experience all exactly. this, you know, unadulterated, like, you know, joy and craziness and whatever else. But, um, yeah, yeah I just remember seeing that as a kid and thinking, oh, that is so cool. Um, yeah. But then he has to rush, you know, he has to rush to get back to bed before he gets in trouble. Yeah. I just thought that was a fun movie. <laughs> For sure. Um, so what about your favorite podcast? So podcasts, I love Huberman Lab. Um, gosh, it is just like filled with information um, on anything really. I mean, just on, I, I would say for well-being in general, um, being more focused, um, you know, thinking about your your habits and what drives you. Um anatomy and physiology. I mean, there's tons of things. I can't, I can't even really nail everything down. He has so many great guests on there. I would say Huberman Lab. Um, Finding Mastery is also a good one with Michael Gervais. There's really good guests on there. There's one that stands out. Um, well, actually a few that stand out. I would say Kevin Carroll is one and he talks about the power of play. And I think that's something that we kind of, as we get older, we abandon a little bit. And I think play is a universal tool for anybody. And it's also a great way to problem solve. And so when he had um, Kevin Carroll on there, and he, he's an author, um, he talks a lot about that. And also, um, I mean, there's, there's other people, Dr. Jed Brewer, who talks about anxiety. I do a lot of his meditations. Um, my son even does them with me once in a while. 
few minutes, you know. Um, but yeah, I would say those two are, are my mains. They are my staples. Yeah, I can definitely relate to, um, to having a couple that you always rely on. Um, I definitely mm-hmm. have to check out that first one you mentioned. It's definitely oh, something Huberman that- Lab. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very popular one. He's, he's got a big old, you know, social media following, but his, his podcasts in general, I think are fascinating because they give you a lot of evidence-based material and it, um, I guess it makes you think a bit more about intentionality and like how you move through your day, whether you are actually taking breaks and resting your body, how you're energizing your body, um, the way you think about things. I mean, it's just, it varies so much. It's just such a cool, every, every time he has a podcast and they're long, um, you just listen to him sped up a little bit, but it, it gives you a, a totally different experience. It makes you think about life in a different way. So. Wow. Okay. I'm definitely checking that out now yeah. <laughs> for sure. It's on That's my to-do good. list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how about your famous, famous role model that you admire? Um, I would say they're not famous, but maybe they're famous to me. I would say my grandfather, Mm -hmm. um, very important figure in my life. He has now passed, but he is a big role, role player in my life. And I think one of the reasons why he is a role model is because he really changed his life as he got older. And I am one of those people that, you know, for better or for worse, I think everybody can change. And, um, he is one of those people that truly, as he got older, I think he softened quite a bit, um, really opened up. There was like a different gentleness about him and he really focused on being a fantastic grandparent and, um, just hugely, um, impactful on my life. And then I would also say my four, my four-year-old at this point, um, he, he is very, I know a lot of people say, oh, my kid is energetic. He has a different energy about him where it is, you know, 1000 miles per hour or it's I'm asleep and that's where I'm at. But when he is 1000 miles per hour, he tells a lot of jokes. He is very charismatic. Um, he says a lot of insightful things. And a lot of the time I feel like I'm caught off guard. Like he'll catch something or he'll remember something. And I'll think, how do you even remember that? And he is just so in the moment that when he does remember something, he captures like the whole picture of it. And, um, that just kind of reminds me to enjoy joy like to really enjoy joy and what, um, it feels like and what the, you know, energy surrounding you is like and what you're doing. And when I think about that, there's like little moments that I have with him that are just ours that, you know, I'm not sharing on social media. I'm not posting about it 24 seven, but it's like my protected special thing that I think to myself, like we are the only people that have experienced whatever this is in the garden that you showed me and you had this like moment of wonder or moment of surprise. Mm -hmm. And it was like your first moment of experiencing that, but I get to share that with you. Like how cool is that? Right. 
And how cool is that for my child to look at me and think like, my mom gets to do this with me too. Parenting is a big, massive role. It's massive. And I think in general, parents are not treated with the respect or given the value that they should be. And so when I think of role model, like your how the kids see you as you're developing and growing into a parent is massively, um, I guess it, it's like profound to me. It sounds a little bit much, but it's true. Like somebody looks at you and they think you're my answer. You, I go to you for an answer. I go to you for, you know, hopefully some of the most difficult moments of my life. And I trust you for it. What a powerful role to be in, right? Yeah. No, that that's definitely a, an amazing way to think about it. And yeah, it's it's um, definitely got me thinking about um, how hard it would be to sort of even just take that moment and just be in it without having to worry about anything else around you, without having to worry about any kind of trips life gives you. It's just you and them, you and that, you and your son. And it's, I can, I can imagine how, how incredible that, that would definitely be for sure. It's small. It's a small moment. I mean, I have them all. I feel like I have them all the time and half the time I can't, I can't remember like, you know, each and every detail, but I can remember how we felt in that. Mm -hmm. And my son remembers it too. And it's cool. I have to say like, I've, you know, up until you become a parent, you become one you're like, wow, whew, somebody is looking at me for right or wrong, right? <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. And then when you have societal pressure on top of that to say like, hey, you're the fallback guy. You are the one that has to take all this other stuff on and navigate, you know, um, formula shortage and childcare closures and school closures and illness and work what a role yeah. and what a role that is way undervalued. For sure. I think, I definitely think that is a role that people underestimate how time consuming it can be. Mm-hmm. And even like going sure. back into, like going back into the topic now, um, defining what parental self-care looks like, how would you define it? Well, um, defining it, I would say, you know, doing something that specifically invests in your own well-being. And I think for everybody, that practice is going to be different. And that definition is going to be different for everyone. So I think of it as a practice that has, you know, different tiers. So for instance, self-investment, self-recovery, the overall picture. So what might recharge you or replenish you may not be the same thing that, you know, your friend or your aunt or your cousin or whatever. It might not be the same thing. I had a conversation with somebody and they said, um, actually I did another podcast and they said, hiking for me is not self-care. It might be for somebody else. But when I hike, I have really bad allergies and I can relate because I do too. Um, And so it's uncomfortable. Like hiking for me is just not comfortable. So telling me to go take a walk when I have really bad allergies and everything's in bloom outside, it's miserable. So what do I do instead? There's other things, right? 
curling up and reading a book, whatever the case may be. But it's something that allows you to relax and recharge. I think those are the two biggest things. Um, And also, you know, activities that invest in your overall development as a human outside of your role as a parent. And I think a lot of people, when they have these conversations about um, parental well-being, and we talk about the focus on the child, we also have to focus on who we were before we had a child. And that person still exists. And sometimes we get swept up in everything on like, you know, child development and making sure we all, we have the right answers and we're doing the right thing. But then who is that other person, right? Who's now preparing all the meals, cleaning up the house, changing the diapers, taking out the diaper bin, you know, scheduling all the play dates. That person had hobbies and they had needs and wants and um, maybe different values, different priorities, who knows, but there's still a person that exists there. And I think, um, you know, putting the spotlight back on that person is really important because this is also going to help us with that whole recharging, um, replenishing and investing in ourselves is giving that stuff time, giving that stuff energy so you can focus on, you know, the things that do bring you joy and the things that do um, allow you to be who you are outside of being a parent, because there is another identity there that exists. Mm-hmm. No, I think, I think what you're saying is um, pretty important. Just, just separating the parent and the person that you originally were from the beginning, no matter how evolved that person becomes as a person, it's still good to sort of see that there is like a human beyond the motherhood that you're sort of being experiencing as well at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's someone else that exists there. And we, um, you know, far too often we have all these other tasks and responsibilities that that person kind of gets shut, shut out. And so, you know, shining the light back on that individual and giving that individual the spotlight a little bit is, there's value in that and it is important to do. Why, why is it so important for parents to practice the self-care? Um, <clears throat> you know, so there was this article that I read recently and there was this quote and I could be butchering the quote, hopefully not, but it's um, psychological flexibility and self-care are both fundamental aspects of psychological health. And so when I think about that, it's, you know, this is like a two-part thing, right? We need to practice our hobbies. We need to rest our bodies. We need to eat a good meal. And we also have to be kind to ourselves. And we, you know, I think a lot of the time when we're trying to push through and get all these things done, let's say, you know, somebody yells at their kid or, you know, reacts or responds in a different way that they otherwise would have liked to do something different. You become hard on yourself and you think, oh, I should have done this differently. And you kind of perseverate and you think about it and can't really change that moment, but you're learning a lesson now, right? And we're moving forward and we're going to use the tools that we have and and the things that we learn and we're going to do something differently. We've acknowledged we've done something that we want to do something different now. And so, um, you know, 
when I think about parents and performing the self-care, we cannot continue to burn the wick at both ends because we can't just plug in and recharge. We're not robots. We deserve that investment. And, you know, once you demonstrate self-care in whatever way that it is, taking a walk, doing something for yourself, taking a bath, um, you know, painting, whatever, you are now demonstrating to others that you matter. And you are saying this time and whatever I'm doing, I matter too. And that is good. So when your children see that, they think, oh, my mom is doing this because she needs to rest or she wants to, you know, paint this picture because last time she did this way and now maybe she's working on something else and this is a different style and this is cool and she's like honing her craft. So that gives it value. And so when I think about self-care in general, your body needs energy, right? To keep things moving. Your cells need energy. For your cells and everything to kind of work together, you're going to need food, you're going to need water, you're going to need air, shelter, all these things, but you need a good environment to keep these things going. And so even at our most basic, hydration, eating well, like these are things that will make a difference. Um, And so, you know, I think a lot of the times people say, oh, well, you, if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. But what if we just stop the sentence with, if you don't take care of yourself, you're not taking care of yourself, right? (laughs) Like, your body's not going to function. It doesn't have to be always about somebody else. But how is your body going to function for you, taking you through the day? And so um, the more I think about the importance of self-care, it's yes, we do have, we have children to take care of, but we also want to make sure that we are healthy too. And that's why we, that is why it's important that we practice it because we are walking in our body, right? And we, we have a, all kinds of things that we would like to do in life. And so for us to practice it, it has a benefit not only for ourselves, yes, for our children, but but ourselves as well. Yeah, I think it's it's so easy to get lost in the responsibilities of being a parent. I'm mm-hmm. not a parent myself, but I'm definitely a child and I've seen how how different that my mom has been, for example, as like the years have developed and I mean, I'm older now, but she's now now trying to discover who she is. And mm-hmm. she, I think she definitely got, I mean, the way that she says it is that she had to make sure the responsibility of this little being, this little human is alive and okay before she could take care of herself. But mm-hmm. to me, that sounds like a, such a strange concept to have just because mm-hmm. it's like, well, you should be, taking care of yourself and someone else. At mm-hmm. Try to balance that at the same time, not making sure that a kid is okay before, you, before you're before you okay. So yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's such a weird concept to me when she was telling me that because it's definitely something that I've had a conversation to her about and it's, I can't, I can't really grasp it, I think. Because I haven't been a parent, I think that's definitely why I haven't been able to grasp it. But it's it's so strange that that that's a concept that's ideally in society. Like you're basically a bodyguard for someone else. You're not 
mm-hmm. you're not bodyguard for your own self as well. Mm-hmm. What's interesting too, and what I heard from that is that um, I think generally, generationally, things are now changing so much that, um, and it's not just the Evan, I keep coming back to social media, but I think it is important to say because there's billions of people on social media, right? And they use that almost as their first Google. Um, but when I hear that, I think to myself, the messages that we get um, kind of on a regular basis, even while we're pregnant, a lot of the time is we have a baby to take care of and we are growing a child. Um, let's say we're biologically carrying a child. We are growing a child. What are we doing to take better care of that child? Okay, yes, we're you know drinking water and we're eating you know a specific diet and we're avoiding deli meat and all these things to avoid listeria. And there, there's like tons of things that we're doing, um, going to checkups and and getting our ultrasounds. But then somewhere along the line, we kind of forget about um, you know the parent that is preparing to become a parent. And then that transition of once they become a parent, now all of a sudden they lose value because they're not carrying this, the precious child that we're, you know, highly we're focused on. And what I hear a lot from parents is what happened? You know, I'm like basically dropped off at a curb and now nobody cares about me and nobody's checking in on me anymore. And maybe people aren't opening doors. And it's not that parents just say, oh, I want somebody to open the door for me. But it's it's not that. It's, can you check in with me on a bigger picture to say, yes, you just had a baby. Like, maybe you need more time at home. Maybe you need, um, you know, financial compensation to stay home now that you're taking time off, like actual paid maternity leave or paternity leave or paid parental leave to stay home and to take care of your child and to heal. You know, hormonally, you're going through so many changes after you have a child. You don't just have a child and all of a sudden everything just goes back to normal. It is a transformational period in somebody's life. And so um, that whole self-sacrifice that you kind of mentioned with your mom, and and I hear that and I understand that um, with a lot of people, they say like, I thought my focus was just mainly supposed to be on my baby. And so my focus and what I try really hard to kind of nail down and sometimes it gets lost and like the sauce of everything is like parents need attention too. They need the respect and they need to be given the value of, um, you know, what they represent in society and how much pressure and, um, you know, job responsibility they carry and do it for free. And um, it's, yeah, it always baffles me when I think about that. Like, yeah, we have to take care of two people. It's not just one, right? We have to take yeah. care of ourselves too. For sure. So with that, what are some signs that you notice that it's time to sort of take care of yourself? Like, do you notice anything that sort of gives it away with when yeah. a parent should take care of themselves? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, when – what in I guess what kind of perks up first is like, you know, there's mood changes. I think other people might notice it before the the parent notices it themselves. Um, Sometimes a partner is the first person to notice or friends, um, you know, coworkers. Um, Physical well-being is something, too, that kind of gets um, impacted. You know, maybe you're not 
exercising as much as you were, or, um, you know, you're feeling constantly fatigued, exhausted. Um, specifically, I would say with parental burnout, there are three main components. So one of which is the emotion, emotional exhaustion, um, depersonalization or like detachment, at least from within your parental role. So like detaching from your child or space, um, from taking space from your child and then feeling ineffective within your parental role. And so those three things within parental burnout, um, those are the components. But I think when somebody starts to experience that, you might not notice it within yourself, but maybe you do notice that there's a stark contrast between the type of parent that you were versus who you are now and how your behavior has changed. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, mood, maybe you're not doing the things that you necessarily liked um, before. And so, you know, parental burnout isn't something that just like on with a switch, like this stuff kind of builds over time. Um, I know a lot of studies have shown past several years that people who experience parental burnout are generally parents who have been parents for a while. You know, they're, it's not just um, parents with a newborn, but over the past two plus years, how can you not be exhausted, right? There's been a lot of changes and a lot of parents have experienced, um, in addition to those things, um, isolation. And I'm not getting that like social connection that they otherwise would have if they would have been socializing in like parent groups and stuff like that in person. So I would say those, those are the main things. And, um, you know, of course, over the past two years, there's additional challenges with not getting the, um, building the social connections. And so you're feeling isolated maybe not as connected to other new parents, um, and that can affect, you know, anybody within the home. Yeah, I think definitely those last two years, I think definitely had a big impact into even when it comes to kids, kids who are in school ages. I mean, the online schooling as well was something that oh, a lot sure. of parents had to learn. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy because Zoom will crash. We all know. Yeah. The Wi-Fi will go down and it's not great. And imagine having a kindergartner trying to navigate Zoom. I mean, it's it's hard. <laughs> yeah. You can't just be exactly. at work, right? You can't I, exactly, like, be yeah. at work with, with that happening. Yeah, for sure. I mean, my, um, my friend, she's a prep teacher. So it's like just before year one and – she was even talking about how so many parents had to be there basically 24-7 from 8 to 3 on the computer with them just because they couldn't click. They couldn't click turn on your mic or anything small like that. So, like, yeah. the parents were constantly surrounded by the kids, not having a moment to really do what they needed to do or do that what they wanted to do because it was just sure. completely on the kid. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, the virtual, the virtual stuff is, that's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> now, I will say, I know, you know, a lot of people have said, oh, don't call parents a superhero. I mean, parents are just doing the most right now and up against, sometimes it seems like all odds and just plugging through and the judgment online and people critiquing other parents. It's like, you know what? 
if a parent is truly trying to do their best and they're going to give their kid some screen time because they need a break, who are you to judge? That's where I'm at. That's how I feel. And so when, you know, there's all of these rules and regulations, don't do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. A parent sometimes just needs a break. So if you're going to pop on PBS and your kid is going to watch Daniel Tiger while you get a break, so be it. This is a reality. And so I really want to make that clear to anybody that is listening. You might have other judgmental people in your life, but they are not walking every single day in your shoes. And in order for you to be a healthy parent and for you to keep doing what you do, sometimes you might need a break. And you might need some time to kind of decompress or take a breath or whatever the case may be. And your child might need something else so that you can do that. And if it's not harming your child, why not? (laughs) You know, why not? Why not? No, definitely. I think with the whole screen time thing, I'm I'm definitely the same boat you are. I mean, you can't really tell what a parent goes through with how much and you can't really judge and how many how much time the kid spends on the screen I mean for certain ages and for certain things of course but for just to get that few minutes to yourself I can definitely imagine how important it is to sort of make sure your kid is settled and then sort of have that moment to yourself as well yeah absolutely my kid when you know when everything shut down in the beginning of the pandemic If I needed to take a shower and I had to still work, my child would watch Sesame Street and he would learn a fortune. He would learn a fortune. And I remember I watched Sesame Street when I was growing up. I I personally love Sesame Street. And he learned a ton and he would surprise me. Like, you know what? My child is still learning and he's still gaining stuff. He's not sitting on the iPad a 10, 12 hours a day. Okay. It's not chart. It doesn't charge for that long, at least not in our old iPad in our house. It doesn't charge that long, Mm -hmm. but if he's learning something and he's enjoying it and I get to do what I need to do so that I can continue doing the things that I have to do as a person and a parent and, you know, working and doing all this stuff, then that's fine. Then that's what's going to happen. And I, you know, had a lot of parents from the beginning that were telling me, you know what, give him an iPad. Give him something else to do. You're doing activities, you're painting, you're taking him outside, he's gardening, he's digging into the dirt. That's great. But you also need to shower and do the things that you do. And of course, like I work in this, I understand it, but um, you know, we, we need to give ourselves a break. For sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of risk and I can definitely talk about the, I mean, other than negatively affecting parents and children's lives, what are some consequences of neglecting self-care for parents themselves? I would say it's the mental health component. Um, the first thing that kind of, you know, comes to mind, um, just even in general, like the impact on mood, you know, physical well-being, as I said before, um, stress, you know, uncontrolled stress can do so many things to our body. Um, we think about like hypertension, um, headaches, fatigue, depression, anxiety. There's um, tons of things, um, you know, poor wound healing, um, 
decreased immune function, et cetera, et cetera. And that's specifically uncontrolled stress. Those are a few of the things that pop into my mind. But then I would just say in general, um, you know, relationships can be impacted by it. Energy levels can be impacted by it. And so when we think of self-care as, and I frequently use it, use the term self-investment, I think it gives it a little bit more, um, I guess, power is whatever we're doing for ourselves that gives us that kind of um, replenished, refreshed, um, energized, you know, healing kind of thing. That is what is most important. That's like the component of self-care that I really think um, we need to kind of drive that nail home is what is going to help us feel better on a regular basis if we practice it. Going to a salon and getting, you know, a pedicure, that's great. And I, I'll, I love it. You know, I don't do it that often. I talked about it today, in fact, and I'm like, oh, I need it. <laughs> but like that to me, I enjoy it for sure. But I also think like, you know, what if I exercise X amount of time during the week and then I feel more energized, I get better sleep, um, you know, my body, as I mentioned, I have more energy. I'm able to do the things I want to do. I feel good about it. I feel stronger. Those things are, um, you know, the, the things that I say, this is part of self-investment and how we take better care of our bodies. And so, yeah, the consequence of not, if neglecting our self-care is we feel like crap and we don't deserve to feel like crap. Mm -hmm. So do you see, so do you see self-investment different from self-care or is it just a synonym, like synonym for each other? Um, you know, I think that people could call anything self-care. Um, they're doing something that they enjoy. And I think for me personally, self-investment is going to be something that lasts a bit longer is, um, you know, I'm building up towards something else. So for instance, if I'm, you know, exercising throughout the week and I want to have better, you know, more energy and I'm drinking water and I'm taking care of myself, then at some point, maybe I'll be able to run a half marathon. I've run one in the past and I struggled mightily, right? Like it wasn't, it wasn't easy at all. I'm not a runner, um, but I willed myself to do it. I'm like, you know what? I want to build up to that. And so my investment in myself was I'm going to exercise. I'm going to take that time. And that is for me, for my body to feel strong so that I can do this. And so I think for me, self-investment is maybe going a step further and saying, what am I putting into myself that is also going to help me, you know, in the future to be a better version of me, a healthier, stronger version of me? That's how I personally see self-investment. And people might disagree and that's okay, but that's how I see it. Um, I guess simply what, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I definitely like the description that you have of self-investment. And I think in the way that I see it is definitely self-care is a step in self-investment. Mm -hmm. So you have like different dimensions of self-investment that involve 
self-care and I think healthy eating would be another part mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, you could even go further and say, what about self-recovery? And self-recovery to me is I might get one good night's sleep. I'm like, yes, I got a good night's sleep. I'm feeling good, all this stuff. But then I get crap sleep the next day because let's say my kid wakes up and there's colds going around. I mean, you know, everything is circulating and there's allergies. we got allergies in our house. And so, um, you know, when I think of like self-recovery, I'm thinking when my body is able to get some really good rest, like a chunk of good rest for multiple days, and I feel really refreshed after that. That to me is like my body is saying, oh, well, now I'm really like reaping the benefits of what you've been putting in. And sometimes that even means for some people, I hear about like taking a mental health day with work. Some places grant that and pay for it. I think that's fabulous. And some places don't. And, you know, whatever, say it is what it is, unfortunately. Um, But I, I look at that. I'm like, you know what? Maybe that was a day that was really hard for you and you needed just some space to get away from work and you can come back with some fresh eyes and you feel more energized and you can get through the work that you're going to get through and maybe you're a bit more productive. Um, And so, yeah, you're right. There's like different dimensions of it. And that's kind of how I see it too, where there's like self-care is like the gigantic umbrella and then within it are like these different, I guess, compartments which is, you know, once you invest in yourself and then you start like kind of gaining the benefits of it, this is what we kind of see. So I agree with you. So what are some of the best ways for parents to practice self-care? Is there a specific time or place that needs to be considered or is it just whenever you feel like it? Um. I mean, honestly, time is always going to be a massive challenge for parents Um, and, you know, bandwidth, like how much, what can you do within that time, right? I think what I hear from parents a lot, and I get it, um, you know, we have two very busy kids and over the past several months, we have been on a roller coaster with illnesses and COVID and like closures and all sorts of stuff. And it's not our first roller coaster with this. But like even just navigating that, I'm thinking to myself, time is always going to be a complicating factor. And so what can you do with the time that you do have? You can be very deliberate. You can make small changes and then you can have some protected time that is uninterrupted, even if that means. And as I mentioned before with the iPad, um, you know, you can still connect with your kid while they're doing whatever it is that they're doing, let's say they're coloring and they look up at you and they're like, mommy, look at this color. And you're like, oh, that is the coolest color. What color is that? You are acknowledging that kid. You, you have now connected with them and you're saying, I'm interested in what you're doing. That, that is a moment, right? Like that is a moment, but you're connecting with them. We don't need to put a time frame on that and say, well, you need to do 30 minutes of that because they're going to look at you and they're going to think you're terrible. No, you know, we can we can be a little loose with that, right? Like we can say for a lot of parents, we're working from home. And, you know, if you're working from home, you don't get that separate kind of, 
you know, I'm going to take my time and leave that space and go walk around. Like your house has now become two different things. It's become your home and your workplace. And so what can you do with the little bit of amount of time that you have? And it's making it deliberate, um, doing small things that are just for yourself and trying to get some protected time. So regardless what that looks like for some parents, it's very early in the morning and making themselves a hot cup of tea or coffee and drinking it when it's hot and not having to reheat it 10 times because your kid's running around and asking you for 10 million things, demanding breakfast, packing bags, whatever. But it's that moment of time, at least, that you're getting to say, this is for me and it's quiet here and this is what I'm going to have. Or maybe later at night, if you have a busy schedule, you're working throughout Maybe you take a break. Hopefully you're taking a break and scheduling that in, which is something that I talk about. Take a break. Schedule your breaks. But if you don't get one until nighttime, protect that time. Make it personal and make it about you. Having something healthy to eat, drinking some water, setting that reminder in your phone. Even if a 30 second, hey, did you drink water? And you look at your phone, your phone goes, ding, I didn't drink any water. I'm going to have some now. You're doing something for yourself. We need more of that. Um, But, you know, those are little moments that we can kind of remind ourselves. Like this is something that I can do and being very intentional about it, that it is for me and it's not for anybody else. I think think that's a really really important um, part to remember, especially when – you're surrounded, you have kids that are responsible for. And I think this sort of fits in, I mean, we've going into the questions from the audience, we've basically talked about everything that everyone was asking. But I think one of the things that is very different is how can parents practice self-care and self-boundaries without causing that misunderstanding to the kids? Mm. So... And I always say this as a disclaimer, but I'm not a therapist. I am a board certified PA. I am a parent and I will never try to provide you with any therapeutic advice. What I will say personally is that children, what I have learned and heard from other parents as well, is when they give a child a moment of time specifically, and dedicate that moment to that child and say and connect, I am seeing you, I'm acknowledging you and giving value to whatever it is that you're talking about. As I said, that color, oh, you're coloring, you know, whatever it is. That's such a cool color. Oh, cool. They kind of light up, right? They're like, oh, my mom is on, my mom saw me, right? My mom caught a really cool moment and that mattered to me in that moment. You're connecting there. Um, you know, these, these little moments are really important. And I think that, you know, sometimes we get lost in that and it needs to be a specific amount of time that we, you know, give to our children. And sometimes parents are very, very limited and I'm not going to judge somebody that says to me, you know, and I've heard this from people before and saying, my husband works 12 to 14 hour days and he comes home and sometimes he just goes in and gives my kid a kiss and sometimes he'll wake up and just kind of look at them and fall asleep. 
but they see him there, right? Um, they worked those long hours that day because maybe mortgage is getting more expensive or whatever the case may be. Parents are trying, okay? Like we're trying to put in the time. Maybe not everybody, but I want to hope, I hope that the majority, right, are like trying to put in that time, that energy. And we can't really put a time stamp on it and say, this is the amount of time or this is exactly what we have to do because every family operates differently. And having that kind of self-compassion and saying, we're trying to do the best that we can and we're trying to be um, present in these like quick little moments of you brought a drawing home and it looks cool. And you're like, wow, what is this thing? You know, this blob on here. You don't say blob, but like, what is this thing on here? Oh, mommy, that's you. I get that. <laughs> I have this little piece of paper with the blob on it. Oh, cool. Oh, I love how you drew my hair. You know, he looks at me like, oh, yeah, you know, find a moment. These moments are awesome when we come up on them. And sometimes they just seem like they're small and not as important they really are. They're really important. And so I just want to say like for parents to just improving these moments or like what, you know, what we get lost in, remember these small moments. Because sometimes I think we're just so hard on ourselves and we're doing so much right now and going through so much and trying to like filter everything on the outside that we like lose these spots in time that just are like little flickers of amazingness and don't overlook that because your kid looks at you and, and they're and they're like hey you know my mom or my dad saw me in that and that's cool so I don't know if that answered the question but <laughs> hopefully no, it did. I think <laughs> no I definitely think that it did and I definitely think that this is that's a good point to end the recording on to end the conversation on like just enjoy the small moments that you have and um yeah definitely enjoy every moment that you have but the small moments are still as impactful as the larger moments that you see in a kid's life or, a, or your child sees you yeah I think even there's going to be times w where you don't enjoy it and every parent, it, like universally, will experience these moments where they're like, hey, I had a difficult moment with my kid and I didn't enjoy it. But that moment will come and go. And, you know, I'm paying with a broad brush here, but I'm saying like you will have a moment where it might not be ideal and it will feel kind of, you know, crummy. And you move on from it and you say, hey, well, what about, you know, tomorrow or they wake up in the morning, you do something differently, but you can change these moments. Like every single day, we have a new opportunity to make a small change that could impact our whole entire life. And the more we kind of build upon those small changes, we get to a place where it becomes a bigger change, right? Gradually. And so I just want to say for anybody listening, and I know that a lot of parents are going through and struggling right now is just know if you are trying and doing the best that you can, there are millions of people who feel the same as you and you are not alone. And um, there are a lot of, you know, parent support groups and mental health specialists. And I mean, the work that I do 
in particular, there are people rooting for you and um, not wanting to tear you down. And so I just want to put that out there into the universe. Parents, (laughs) there are people rooting for you, okay? (laughs) For sure. Uh, Yeah, for sure, for sure. And if definitely if you want any more resources um, for any anyone listening and I know there will be uh, tons of parents wanting a little bit more help from you um, definitely go check out Shelly's website um, Run Tell Mom and it's got I was looking at the other night it's got a bunch load of resources and support that's happening for all for different types of situations and I mean I'm sure that you've got an available a place that they can contact you as well yeah, so runtelmom.com, and we are going to be launching a three-week cohort at the end of June, which is called The Anatomy of a Busy Parent, and we go through the, you know, all the nerdy stuff of, which is like my favorite thing, to go through the physiology of stress, um, understanding some of our responses when we do become stressed as parents, um, stress reduction techniques, uh, gosh, household, you know, household task management, um, you know, habit tracking, tons of things. And it's going to be recorded. So even though, and we know you are a busy parent because that's what it's called, it'll be recorded. You can access it whenever you want. Um, that's one of our big things is if you do sign up, you will have access to it because it will be recorded. And um, you can contact us at rentalmom.com and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and that is it. Well, that's that's amazing. Um, thank you so much, Shelley, for coming on today and for joining me and Absolutely. talking about this. It's it's so interesting to talk about, and I wish honestly wish that we had longer to talk about this and different aspects that we could unlock on this topic because it's not definitely not a um, one size fits all kind of situation as well. So mm-hmm. you're right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Anytime. Happy to. You've been listening to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights Podcast, produced by the Parenting Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 Life Management Perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website at pa.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Dina Sargent and thanks for tuning in.